if there's anything that I've learned, it's you ain't in charge. So don't pretend, don't assume, don't think, don't act as if you are. So I'm a very fierce believer of that. And I truly believe that there's enough for everybody to go around. And they are me six years ago. So if I could take my clients, I would have accepted six years ago and send it to them. I only see that as an added benefit and where I could say, look, these are my people. They're good. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I'm your host, Yona Weiss, as always, and happy to be joined today by someone who I hope to have a wonderful conversation with. Uh, That is something I strive to do with every podcast. Uh, Not all work out that way, apparently. So (laughs) today's guest is Hani Rosen. We are very fortunate to have her. She's the CEO of Cavalry Associates, an expediting and design firm in New York City. How are you doing today? Thank you, Yona. I appreciate the invite. (laughs) All your podcast guests are absolutely fabulous. I might be the most fabulous, but that shall be determined. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Thank God. Doing well. It's uh, It's been a fun day and uh, just getting started because after this, we actually have our, our weekly meetup Wednesday night after this. So excited to have... Uh, have you join us? That's, so the day is just starting for you, I guess. Well, the day is not just starting. It's, it's towards the end, but <laughs> it, it's definitely not over. Before we get into anything else, obviously, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background, your story, how you started this company and how you know, you're running this and, and growing at leaps and bounds. But before we get to that, I think we have something in common, many things in common probably, but the fact that you were also a teacher for a certain period of time before you went into the real estate business. and Yep, seven I, years. Yeah. I mean, I find personally that it really helped me you know, in that role, it really helps in the in the business world as well. And just gave me, first of all, gave a tremendous amount of grounding to make sure that you're aligned with, with what your values are and, and where you're going to go into the world after that. But tell us a little bit about how that transition for you happened. Okay. So I'm not sure about the values part. I was all over the place by the time I finished teaching. I didn't know if I was coming or going But one thing I did know is that I am very articulate. I could take something very complex and simplify it in a way that anybody could understand it. Um, So teaching math to special needs, as well as to regular track, you know, I'm trying to recall all the different subjects that I've taught. It's been quite some time in many different schools. In Satmar Williamsburg, Babif Bar Park, Basiako Bar Park, loved teaching, never thought I would stop. But how it helps, or I guess it's who I was to begin with that made me a successful teacher, which that just continues, that didn't change, which is basically really appreciating when the people you're talking to or as you're explaining, when they get that aha moment that like Mm. you could almost see the beautiful image, you know, that you got to draw in their mind and where it all clicks for them, that gives me so much pleasure. And I think that I learned how to break something down by Mm -hmm. giving certain background or saying certain things first, or it's just the way that you lay it out. You can say the same thing 
But the minute you set this first, they're now so confused. They're not following. They're trying to see where this comes into the picture. You should have left that for last. That was the aha. That would tie it together. So I think the ability to take something apart and give it to somebody piecemeal and then tie it together and where they get that aha, I think I've always had that. Loved utilizing it in teaching. Love utilizing it in you know my current role, whether it's training, which I mm. do a lot, speaking to plan examiners where they're like disagreeing with you so aggressively. And it's like, okay, how are you going to break this down for them? And where you cannot be wrong, or they could so clearly see that, you know, it's the section of the code apply, you know, and the examiners will jump and say, but you showed me, I said, let's forget that for a moment. You can't like, right. you know, let's forget that for a moment. We'll get back to that as if I'm trying to revisit a topic. So it's basically understanding the way people process information. I use it to vendors and where, and I use it to clients. Clients are trying to understand what their project or where we're up to with their project or how their project's going to get affected by something or what an objection means. When a client asks me about, you know, breaking down an objection, I have to explain to them, sorry about that. I have to explain to them how to analyze a section of the code with all the wrong commas in all the wrong places because the grammar and the section of like law is terrible. So that's when this has helped me yeah. and continues to help me on a daily basis. For sure. And, you know, you obviously clearly have that entrepreneurial spirit within you, whatever you want to call that, that that need to kind of build and grow from from nothing essentially, which is what you've done with with your company over the past five years. I remember when basically not first got started, but soon after that, I think I came across a story that was done about you in some publication. Yeah, the, like Yeah, the real deal posted a story. So I don't know if you ever heard of the PI behavioral analysis thing. I do all those analysis. I'm like, honey, you can't figure yourself out. Forget about it. Just let it be. No, I can't. I have to take every single one of them that's available online, free and not free. Anyway, so I took one of those. And when it came to analyzation of drive, right? Drive or steadiness. Mm -hmm. My drive was like all the way on the side of drive. There is zero steadiness. I just always got to move forward. It's my impatience of things. And and it doesn't always strike in the best way. It doesn't always strike in a place where you're like, let's build a business and let's make it bigger and let's make it better and let's hire more. And let's, you know, it sometimes doesn't allow you to be in the moment and, and just stop, think, really? Do you want to? Is that the next step? Okay, then drive. No, first I'm driving and then I'll see where I got to. And it hasn't led me wrong so far, but it's that drive in me that's just like constantly on overload. And yeah, I guess it's recognizable. I don't know. I think just people see it right when they meet me because mm-hmm. of the high energy. Yeah. That was what drew me, like very high energy, nonstop. Right. Have a, you know, thank God, a family, your children waking up early in the morning, all day in the office, you know, running a, a team of now, I don't know how many dozens of people on your team and 25 and counting. <laughs> it's incredible to to do that and then come home and you know, put it together. It's it's just someone that is constantly searching, constantly moving. And, uh, you know, like you said, the drive is there. You're just constantly moving. But right. So it's this, recognizing this that power. Thing about- that's the thing. It's recognizing that that's yeah. a power. And <laughs> it's a power, but it could also be a curse because if you give me look, today's Sunday, it's a very quiet day. There is much for you to do. I ask you to take care of two matters. Go to 13th Avenue and buy stockings to your children and just make sure that the, you know, the meat order is put in for the upcoming holiday or whatever. You're not going to get it done. It's not going to happen. But if you were to give me an impossible list and where every minute is filled, I will get it done and more. So I need that constant. So whenever I set a meeting, I'm always late. It's a given because 
if I were to come five minutes early, I would do something in those five minutes, which would automatically make me be late for what I was actually five minutes early to. So yeah, if my husband says, okay, come home, just be at the dinner table. You don't got to do anything. I'm doing bath time. I'm doing bedtime. Like, okay, I'd like to go to sleep now. Versus if, you know, I have the full responsibility. Are you finding that you're containing that energy or is it kind of leading you astray to a certain extent? No, the energy is great. It's just very sad when all I gave you was two items on the list when typically you could do 40 items, which is more than an average person you could do. And you couldn't get those two items done. It wasn't enough for me. Like there wasn't that, I guess there has to be gasoline to the, you know, in the machine in order for it to, and what is gasoline for me is just cheating the impossible and going from item to item and just being able to, you know, the diversity of different things is mm-hmm. very much something that I enjoy. So yeah, it's been great when I have a lot of things to do. So let's uh, talk about one second. For those of our listeners who don't know what this is, like, what is it exactly that you do? What is an expediting company firm and design? Obviously, we understand architecture. Most people understand, but expediting, tell, tell us a little bit about how you got into that and what that is exactly. Right. So let's start with what that is, because um, luckily for me, for my profession, for this industry, there are some bureaucratic, I don't know, I don't know who's going to be listening to this. I got to watch myself, I have some relationships I need to maintain. But <laughs> bureaucracy is just... Bureaucracy. I can't, it's I, it's I the can't, same it's everywhere. It's just bureaucracy. Red, red Let's tape. leave it at that yeah. in order to... Yes. And they change their process, protocol, procedures every six minutes, where sometimes they're not aware of the change yet, but the system is already aware of it. So they're still behind. And us definitely are still behind. So there's you know a clerk in the Department of Buildings that knows one process. The software or their whatever has been updated and now the process is this. And I did this only a week ago last and the process is that. So there are three different processes that are known. Everybody believes their process is the right process. And I'm like, I just did this last week and this is how I did it. And the clerk is saying, no, it has to be done. And she's two weeks backdated and the system is updated as of yesterday. So it's just getting regular things done that should be able to get done. I, I don't know how they, I think, you know, in upstate or a different age, anybody can walk into prominent buildings, submit the right pieces of paper, make sure the signatures are in the right places. The notary is not outdated and you're fine. You'll get your approvals as long as here. It's like as many dashes as there are on a form. That's how many different ways that it could get rejected. Right. And if you don't do this on a weekly basis or on a, so it's basically my job as expediter is to understand the processes, learn the processes, be updated with the processes as they change in order to receive approval, permitting, or certificate of occupancy for any construction, renovation, or development in the five boroughs in New York. So that's what we do as expediters. And as COVID happened and as they got this new software, we were kind of worried, like, what's going to happen to us? Now, all designers or all architects are going to become, you know, expediters because you could do it all. Uh-uh. It's not happening. I mean, there are always, bureaucracy is always ensuring that there is a place for us in this industry. Um, I can't say that I wasn't concerned, which is why when I added architectural services as well as civil engineering, you know, and all different type of design services that typically are required in the new development. So... I obviously had, you know, a little bit of faith, but then lost it again. So that's where I am. So that's what I do. Right. Your second question as to how <clears> I got into it. I, it's actually a really interesting story because I worked for a property management company, loved what I did. Let's go take out a step back. I did teaching for many years, loved right. it, but I needed a second source of income. I had two and a half children. I really needed to figure this out. So I asked my friend who 
advised that her boss is looking for somebody part-time. I said, okay, let me do this. It's extra money. It's great. It's you know the income that I was looking for. Started this as a part-time job. He, what he was doing basically is he was buying notes from, from the banks for closing on them. Most of them, most of the time it was dilapidated property. We had to get tenants out or hoarders or whoever it was, renovate the place and rent it out. So getting it from basically as a note from the bank all the way into for it to go into the regular management, which is renting it out and having tenants occupy it. So that entire process was something that he did solely on his own. And as I joined, I started realizing that I'm very attracted to the process and the way it's done to me was the most interesting. You buy things from the bank, you're for clothes on like that whole thing. I'm like, I knew banks do that. I didn't know a regular person who happens to also be my boss does that. And the process procedure was very interesting to me. And then sometimes it did work and sometimes it didn't work. And sometimes within a month, they had the deed. And sometimes it took years and I couldn't understand the differences between them. And I wanted to know everything. I did not back down. I really drove him hard, did very well at it. He basically took me under his wings, taught me what he's doing, why he's doing, took me to 360 Adams. We used to go to auctions. I'll never forget the first time I had to hold, usually you have to come with 10% of down the pot, you know, like I had to hold that bag of cash. And I'm like, you hold it. No, you hold it. You hold it. I'm like, no, I'm, you know, anyway. So loved it. The next year, obviously, when it came to, you know, what am I doing next year? I gave up my teaching job, did this full time, lived it for about two and a half years. After two and a half years, my brother, who was also doing property management, but the different part of it, it's like actually, you know, dealing with the tenants and stuff like that. He said, look, you're doing property manager management, which was, far cry from that. but And I'm doing property management. Why don't we do property management together? Put a challenge in front of me and I will want, you know, I will want that challenge. I will want to, you know, be challenged and and succeed. Mm -hmm. And so I gave my boss notice and he's like, two weeks, you know, I kind of made fun of him. I just wanted him to appreciate and say, no, please stay. You know, I needed that at that time, apparently. Anyway, three months, January 1 of 2016, I walked into what we called at that time, CNC property management. C for Hani, the other C for Chaim, who's my husband, who you know was still in Cola, I think, at that time. But anyway, CNC Property Management, we had the logo, we had the letterheads, we just didn't have any clients. And we went from person to person, I'll manage your property, 8%, 3%, 2%, 1%, I'll do it for free, just give me your property to manage. And it was just not happening. Nobody was going to trust his brother-sister duo to manage their properties. They were very happy with the property management company that you know they were working right. with. And if they weren't, they would go to somebody a little bit more experienced, you know, in the know. Yeah. So what ended up happening, one of my pitch, you know, the pitches that I that I would put out there is like, what does your current property manager do for your sanitation violations, which is hundred dollars? Do they just pay it? Why? You have a super on site. If you have a super on site, you shouldn't be getting these. And if you are getting these, shouldn't the super be responsible for them? Did you try to fight them? Is it are you next to, you know? And they're like, nah, it can't be fought. And and that's actually where it started. I said, look, give it to me, I'll show you that it could be fought. That if I were your property management company, I would fight it for you because hundred dollars a hundred dollars. And I would take $15 an hour for the girl to, you know, fill it out or even at $25 an hour. And then my rate at 10%, you would still save yourself $50. So he said, do it, you know, and before I knew it, I had sanitation violations stacked up in front of my door. Cause what the guy did, he said, he went back to his property management company. Don't pay any of my sanitation violations. You got to give it to me. I got a girl. She does this. I don't know. <laughs> but before I knew it, the property, you know, the property management company started bringing all, not only this specific client that we approached, but all... And that, that's how it started. It started with fighting sanitation violations. It was 100 bucks. If I won it, I got $50. If I didn't win it, then they didn't owe me anything. And then people started bringing different violations. And, oh, do you also do? Yeah, sure, I do that. And sure, I do that. ECB violations, DOB violations, work without a permit. I have a vacate order, a stop work order. I need plans. I'm like, yeah, 
And he promised. I'm like, okay, yeah, bring it on. So I was a little bit familiar because my property, like the property management company that I worked for, obviously had to deal with these things, you know, as they purchased the properties, it was most times dilapidated and had a lot of violations. But I also knew of an expediter that we dealt with that did that. And before I know it, I was doing expediting. And that's how I just went with it. And at one point, people were saying, can you manage my properties too? I'm like, I don't manage properties. But your name is CNC Property Management. Did I do something wrong? Did I not pay you? Do I owe you money? They, you know, they took, they right. were offended by the fact that I didn't want to manage their properties too. At, which at that point, I needed to change our name because yeah. I was starting to offend my clients. But that's how we got to do expediting, which thereby led to design. But originally, and with all you know, good intentions, I intended to do property management. Right. And so, I mean, the expediting process sounds like it needs someone tough to go into the, like you said, the bureaucracy. And I've dealt with it myself, the planning boards, zoning, et cetera. There's so many of these people that they're just rigid on the rules that they think are the rules. And you have to come in and just kind of show them how to do it. What I can't imagine is all that you do, and obviously you're helping tons of clients at this point, getting their buildings up to speed, getting the plans you know, zoned, et cetera. What I can imagine is how do people do this without someone like you? So first of all, it's important to note that the only thing you really need is understanding the human psychology and how the brain works and how different people operate. So if you're going to come in all aggressive, you're probably going to be thrown out the door in two minutes because he's more macho than you are. And if you don't know that, then he will show it to you right. or, you know, he or she will show it to you. So it's not only about the aggressive and the macho. I could be help a girl out. Like, um, I, I really need help here. I don't know what to do. My client's going to be so upset. And I could be that little girl. And sometimes I need to do that, too. It depends on if the guy needs to be a savior or, if the guy, you know, it depends on who it is that I'm trying to get the help from. So it's all about really understanding the way, you know, the different personalities and the different natures that there are. Um, and I think that most good expediters have that out. Mm -hmm. And the first question that I ask when we get, you know, a project like, okay, who's a client examiner? Like, what kind of beast are we going to deal with? Is it going to be the one where, you know, the little girl, Hani, needs to come and cry for help? Or is it going to want, be the one that's going to be authoritative and say, you know, what, what is this examiner going to need? So it's about figuring out who those examiners are, what you could get from each one of them and the weight to get it from each one of them. Right. And I think that not everybody has that understanding. And sometimes I could see people fighting and screaming. And that used to be in the day and where Department of Buildings was where you actually met with people. And I used to go over to him, just tell, like, pretend to cry and you'll get it done. You're screaming here for 20 minutes. You're not going to get this done. Mm -hmm. You know, whoever wanted to listen anyway. Um, so... Yeah, there are some times where people figure it out and there are some times where people don't. And that's what differentiates a good expediter between not a good one. Mm -hmm. Is it something that you see yourself uh, like taking on the other rule, meaning put your put yourself in the in the side of the developer and, uh, you know, taking on something else? I mean, have you done any real estate investing or, or development on your own? Or is this something you're just you're a partner in the sense that you're helping these clients get their projects done? Right. So I did do some real estate investment, but none of it was development. And I'm actually anxious as well as excited. It's that one thing that I cannot wait to get into because if I could control both sides of the equation, I could only see a win. I'm saying like, sometimes I have the strategy and I lay it out for them and the client, you know, the developer gets so confused, but this is how I did it the other time and it could help. I'm like, no, no, you know, I understand. Like if I could just control it fully. Mm -hmm. I'll whiz by it. Um, and where sometimes the, you know, the developers and the clients are their own obstacles, you know, and where I don't want to do it that way. I'm like, 
okay, do you have six months? No problem. I do too. I charge by the hour. You know what I mean? So I'm definitely looking into looking forward to um, do development on my own and to you know be on both sides of the coin. But until then, I really try to invest myself very hopefully. And sometimes like <laughs> I had a conference call where one of my associates is like, why are you taking this more seriously than he is? It's his money after all. I'm like, I don't understand why he's like, so like, whatever. I was heated. I was hot and cold after, you know, after what had just happened. And it was like, okay, so what are we going to do? I'm like, one second. Can I, can we process this from it? Like, is, is it, it's like, he's fine. The client is fine. Just let it go. You know, just ride with it. It's where I take it a little bit more seriously sometimes than they do. So until then, I invest myself fully in other people's development. And I absolutely yeah. love it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally hear that. So if and when you do make that transition, I'm sure it will be a smooth one because it's you already... It's not a question of if, it's just a question of when. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll keep uh, we'll keep posting on that. But in the meantime, you're managing this. I mean, being a CEO means that you're running every aspect of the business, right? Obviously, you have partners. You have. Uh, you mentioned you started this with your brother. Is this the same, the yeah. same brother? Yep. And what's what's the... Uh, I guess, how do you guys manage? Dynamic. Yeah, the dynamics with you. I'm just curious because is he the same high energy as you are? Stay out of each other's faces. <laughs> just the only way, it's the right way. He gets one part of it and where I would really need to cross a lot of bridges for me to review my tax return. I just would not do that, which is a safe place for him to be at. You speak to the accountant, you make sure our taxes are filed on time. You know, that aspect of the financial, deep financial end, and I do the day-to-day. So we don't really mess with one another's responsibilities. And that's the only way for it to have lasted this long and many more years to come. Amazing. Amazing. How, how big do you see this, uh, this getting? I mean, do you have a goal in terms of that, in terms of growth, or you just keep running as fast as you can? So there's this one thing that about three years ago, I asked this question, which was like, I was dealing with a vendor or somebody, you know, at that time we didn't have anything in-house. I'm like, look, if you're getting projects, why don't you have enough people to complete those projects? And that was my frustration that I was just voicing out loud. Let's just say I got half of that answered. You know, it's not all a party. Finding the right people and keeping, you know, being able to hold on to the right people is a harder game than it looks Mm -hmm. and seems. And, but that doesn't change my vision. It just changes my approach to my vision. and. I'm trying to make what I do or what I do with the team I currently have a duplicatable process that I could duplicate without too much effort Mm -hmm. to the hundreds. Yeah, that makes sense. And there's obviously there's a need for it, right? I mean, New York City is a pretty big place. (laughs) You know, we hadn't had a time yet where we said, you know, we don't need any more employees because, you know, I was never yet in that situation. So there is obviously incoming work and there is obviously, you know, ongoing work and always expanding. So far, it didn't have to go the opposite direction just yet. That's great. Well, Baruch Hashem. yeah, it should keep going. Keep going bigger and bigger. <laughs> it's a shame. I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse, but <laughs> I, yes, I appreciate that. Amen. Yeah. Listen, as a, as a CEO, you have to look out obviously for the best interests of all your employees and make sure that they're they're growing at the you know the pace that you want everyone to be growing. I mean, have you ever had a situation where you've, and I know this probably happens a lot, but I'm just thinking out loud right now. Have you ever had a situation where you're like training the people and, and, and then they're just like, okay, well, I can do this on my own. Like, why don't I just go off and 
and do this on my own? You just asked a very interesting question because I have an employee that said I could do this on my own and she did go on her own and she recruited two of my prior employees. So now there is a company that exists with three of my employees in that company. I mean, as of now, it's only three people. But yes, where one of them decided I'm going to do this on my own and she recruited two others. And I actually recommended them someone, you know, I, I, I gave them, you know, I referred them, I referred somebody to them this week and I'm kind of proud. Like, that's amazing. I feel like I, that means I have the right people. I have the people that have that drive, that want, that need that, you know, so obviously they were the right people and they were a right fit for my company. And I'm very proud that they have the mindset. Okay, whoever, like any of my current employees that are listening, <laughs> please speak to me before. I'll take care of you. But for them, it was obviously, you know, right for them. I'm proud. That's amazing. I feel like it just adds value to the relationship and the experiences that they've had in my company. And yeah, it's a moment of pride. Well, it shows, yeah, it shows that you're a good teacher. It shows that you've done done well in uh, in training people that they can actually, you know, take the whole take the whole reign to themselves. But at the same time, I'm sure many people out there, uh, employers would would be very, you know, take it the exact opposite approach. And uh, unfortunately- Well, if you believe that there is enough for everybody, and I truly believe that, and if I hadn't seen anything so clearly in the last, you know, six years of running a business myself and where I let my stable and sound position go for an unknown, if there is anything that I've learned, it's, you ain't in charge. So don't pretend, don't assume, don't think, don't act as if you are. So I'm a very fierce believer of that. And I truly believe that there is enough for everybody to go around. And they are me six years ago. So if I could take my clients I would have accepted six years ago and send it to them, I only see that as an added benefit and where I could say, look, these are my people. They're good. I don't have to send away clients saying, I'm sorry, I can't take this job. It's not the right job for our company. Instead, I could say, but I could send you to somebody who is. And I'm telling you they're good because I've trained them and they've done everything you know, that they'll be doing for you and my company, whom you wanted to hire. Right. You know. So it, for me, it's only an added bonus. That's awesome. I mean, it's truly abundance mindset, but it really, it really is true. I mean, not every, like you said, yeah. not everyone, not everyone believes that, but but it's it's so true. Once you I mean, do the rest, is easy. exactly. Yeah. Well, I want to transition now to what we call the final four, and these are four questions because this time just flew by. The final four questions I ask all my guests, and the first question for you is: What is the worst job that you ever had? The worst project, I guess. Anything, I and mean, you can take us any direction. Oh, oh, okay. Um, no, you could say product. Worst job I ever had. Well, I was given the job to fire a client of mine. And let's just say it was not the type of client that I had to refer, you know, uh, that I could have referred elsewhere. That was probably the worst job I ever had to do. Why is that? Yeah. Why is that? I felt sorry for them, but also felt sorry for myself. I wasn't going to be subjected to their abuse, but I felt sorry for them because they were going through a lot and they were miserable people on their, like, and I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, I just felt like I'm dropping them back into that big, vast ocean of a world, which in the end doesn't do kind to people like, you know, to people of like who they were. Right. And I was just worried for the next person that's going to get them as a client, as well as for them, hoping that they'll be set straight. If not by me, then by somebody else. So it was just very like, it was very mixed emotions where I'm like, I'm doing this for Calvary, but poor you. I wish I could have showed me the way. It was, I had to be fierce, but I, in, in reality, I was empathetic to who they are as humans. So that contradiction did not sit well. With, I hated doing it. I hear that. 
that's, that's very, it's hard things to do anytime, but then in that situation, yeah. all the more so. Second question, what's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? Okay. So obviously um, I read more than 52 years a book. I read two <laughs> books a year. Sorry about that. Um, but one that gave me like a real, so there was something that kept on going in, over in my mind again, again, processes, procedures, protocol, processes, procedures, protocol. And it was constantly words I kept on using, but I couldn't clearly define it in my mind and thereby unable to define it to my employees or, you know, to our CEO or whatever. But then I read the work, the book Clockwork by Mike Michalowicz, I think it was. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. This is what I've been saying for such a long time. So it's not like it gave me a shift. It was just basically putting words to my thoughts. Mm. I thought that have been going on for quite some time. So if I have to choose of all, you know, the books, one book a week that I read, I would say that that was the, like that just left the biggest impact on me right. because it was able to put everything I was thinking into words and thereby I was able to now share it with the people that I work with. Gotcha. Have you, have you come across the book Traction? Absolutely. EOS. Okay. My brother, Mendy, made me read that book and I'm forever grateful for him. We, our company does go by EOS. I read all of Gina Wickman's books, love every single one of them, could reread it over and over again. And we're actually having one of our all-day meetings on, in a week from today. That's amazing. So I'm a firm EOS believer. Okay. Good. It just it made me think helps. of that when you, when you brought up Clockwork. Yeah. Very similar in different ways, but similar. Third question, what is a skill or talent that you would like to learn? This is going to sound lame, but I really got to get on my leadership skills because, yeah. I know it would, you know, people say, yeah, what, what is it? And I leave. So what? <laughs> I'm anything but that. If you like, if somebody once gave me the definition of leadership and they said, it's people, it was my business coach, Shulam Berkowitz. And he said, a good leader has their people doing what they want them to do, but with the people doing it, thinking that it's they who want to do it. Mm -hmm. So a little deep, but I'm like, I want that. You know, I don't want people to do things because I said so. I want people to do things because they want to do it. Yeah. And that's a skill that needs to be acquired. And I need to work towards that next. Okay. Well, let's uh, wish you luck and success. Good luck on that, pal. No, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not a, it's not an easy one. It's not. But but there, the, that's what's you, next for You me. don't have to reinvent the wheel. That's for sure. I mean, there are plenty of excellent leaders right. out there and people you can learn from in books and, and things like that. So yeah, I'm actually going to one of those events they have coming up in Orlando in May. I think it was um, Dave Ramsey. I'm making up now. Entree Leadership, I think they call it. So the minute that came out, which was like, I said, yes, that's where I want to go. But okay. I'm hoping to, you know, to not come there as a novice by, at that time, by the time it comes up in May. Okay. There you go. And so fourth and final question for you is what does success mean to you? I could go on and on. You can't Please. finish with that one. I mean, I can never stop. We'll just begin. I got all night. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I believe that that word has a different definition for me every single morning. Yeah. And it's one day, today, it will be a successful day if I manage to remain patient with my children. Today will be a successful day if I, you know, could get through this exam with this examiner without screaming at him once. But today, you know, so for me, that, changes depending on the challenge that's in front of me that day. So if I could get through that challenge and that was a success and it keeps changing. I hear that. I mean, there is so much of that, but in looking at every day as trying to be the best day that it can be, I mean, is that, am I yes, paraphrasing and every you? day there is a different type of challenge though. So right. if every day I just need to be the best that I could be that day, it's, it's, you know, it's pretty, 
But today you got to try, like today for me, it's important. I mean, it's important for me to be the best mom every day. And it's important for me to be the best employer every day. And it's important for me to be the best expediter every day. But those items shift and they sort of take, like sort of as like a, the priorities of those change, even though they never should. I want to be the best expediter, but something's got to give. Mm-hmm. So Balance. you're not going to be the best every single day at everything. So just ensure that you have a goal for what's important in that moment, on that day, in that time. And do that well. So yes, technically that is accurate. Okay. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to spend some time with us. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasant conversation. I did not notice the time pass. I appreciate that. You know, it's not a typical occurrence and where, you know, 45 minutes of my time passed and I hadn't noticed it. That's, I don't get lucky like that often. So okay. thank you for that. Well, we could do it again sometime. That's uh, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, where can our listeners find you or reach out to you? Any social media platform. Uh, you know, LinkedIn is probably the way to go. I'm best via email. Don't try to WhatsApp me. I will not respond to you. And then somebody would go, did you see my WhatsApp? I'm like, I may have. And therefore, I don't, you know. So email is the best form of communication for me. Okay. So we don't drop your email or we should yes, uh, put honey, it in the show notes. Y. At Calvary, C A V A L R Y Associates.com. Awesome. Amazing. This has been a wonderful conversation. I hope our listeners learned something new today and uh, hopefully enjoyed this as much as I did and appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. And our, our listeners, to you guys, thanks for joining us once again. And remember, the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I wanna ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn. Send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.